So every time uh, I have to renew my driver's license or misplace it, which has happened more times than I would like to admit on this stage, um, they always ask me if I want to be an organ donor. And, and I say yes, but it always leaves me thinking about just how many people are in need of organs that are, are properly working. And so I looked uh, more into organ transplants, and I found out that there are actually around 4,000 heart transplants in the U.S. every year. And, and to me, like, I think it's incredible that we can even perform a, a surgery like that, that, that it's even possible to prolong the life of those who need a new heart. But that's, that, that's just it. it. It only prolongs it. Uh, eventually, we all die. Like, our, our heart is not eternal, and we don't always love to think about that, and I'm just throwing it in my introduction, um, but no matter how much repair we do to our body, no matter how well we take care of it, there's a limit. Like, we all still face death. All of us, uh, whether we want to admit it or not, have a heart issue. We have a sin issue, and so we need a better heart transplant, an eternal one, and that's exactly what God offers to give us in what's called the new covenant. And we find this new covenant described in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 36 and Jeremiah 31. And so uh, we're going to read what God says through the prophets starting with Ezekiel. Here's what God says. Uh, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And in Jeremiah, the Lord says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and it will remember their sins no more. So these promises are part of what we call the new covenant. And this new covenant, it was originally given to Israel, but then extended to all believers. And the prophet Jeremiah, he's speaking of this covenant, this new one that's unlike the old one. Because it's not written on stone tablets, but written on hearts. And this new covenant, it frees us from the burden of trying to earn God's love by following the law. Instead, it invites us into a relationship with a loving God where our sins are forgiven and we are made righteous through faith in Christ. And so as we approach the new year, I thought it was a good time to focus on this new covenant and how it should change how we live. So God promises us a new heart. Why do we need it? Why do we need this new heart? Well, to answer this, we have to start all the way back in the beginning of the Bible, back in Genesis. When Adam and Eve, when they rejected God's rule and disobeyed him, they corrupted the entire human race. Every person after Adam is a sinner just like them. 
And there were further consequences. For one, sin causes separation from God. In both Adam's sin and our sin, we become separated from God. Secondly, people will physically die because of sin. God told Adam that he and all of humanity would die for disobeying his commands. The wages of sin is death. And then third and finally, apart from faith in Jesus, when we die, we will go to a place of permanent separation from God, and that is God's just punishment for rebellious humanity. So because of of our sin, because of our sinful heart, we have separation between us and God, and we have death. That's why we need a new heart. We need forgiveness. We need a new nature. And so this new heart is part of this new covenant with God. But why do we need a new covenant? What about the old one? Well, let's look at this old covenant that God established uh, all the way back in the Old Testament through Moses. Uh, this, This covenant with Moses was conditional. It either brought God's direct blessing for obedience or God's direct cursing for disobedience upon the nation of Israel. This covenant includes the the Ten Commandments, various other laws, and and a system of sacrifice. The Israelites would, would offer animal sacrifices as a means of atoning or paying for their sins. The the shedding of blood was a way to cleanse and and purify themselves. It was symbolizing the seriousness of sin and the cost of forgiveness. Because the punishment of sin is death. Sin always costs a life. But the problem with their covenant, the problem with this whole system of sacrifice, is that it didn't put an end to the people's sins. It didn't fix their heart. It just masked the problem. They would always need another sacrifice because they were always going to be another sin. So it always looked forward to a new covenant, which would be obtained through a perfect sacrifice. The whole Mosaic covenant shows our inability to fulfill God's law. So we need a new and better covenant. So we have the, the problem of sin And we have an old covenant that is not working. And so we need a new one. We need a new covenant, a new relationship with God. But how exactly does it work? Well, to answer that, we go back again to Genesis and the story of Abraham. And now at this point uh, in in Abraham's life and in this story, uh, he's still going by Abram. So just to confuse me, we have Abraham and Abraham. It's the same person. I'll probably use both interchangeably. But just so you know, Abram, Abraham, same person. And in this covenant, God promised many things to Abraham. And we're not going to read those verses, but God promises all these blessings on Abraham. But what's so essential for us in this covenant is how Abraham and God agreed to it. So let's read what happens in Genesis 15. It says, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. 
Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. God told Abraham everything he was going to give him, everything that he promised. But Abraham asked how he could be sure that all of this was going to happen. That's the same question we're asking. So the Lord and Abraham, they join themselves together in a covenant, which is just another word for agreement or a contract. And as in similar covenants, they had this ceremony to confirm their agreement. And this ceremony of the covenant typically included the sacrifice of animals and a meal together. And so God gave instructions and Abraham promptly obeyed and cut everything in two except for the birds. And he laid everything opposite each other, forming in a, a passageway between the animals. And this sounds really weird to us, but the death of these animals, it symbolized that the penalty for breaking the covenant was death. And those who would walk between the two portions of the animals, they're going to invoke the same fate on themselves if they were unfaithful to the covenant. And so there are two specific details about this covenant with Abraham that are just so important for our understanding of our new covenant with God. And the first is that the covenant required a sacrifice. The, this ceremony that Abraham and God go through required that the animals be sacrificed. The shedding of blood, it shows just how costly these agreements could be. Just like the cost of sin, the covenant cost life. And so the, the consequence of sin, the, the payment for our sin is death. Or we can enter this covenant with God where we receive forgiveness and a new heart. But there's a problem. The problem is that there's no sacrifice that we can give for this covenant that can take away our sins or enable us to enter this covenant. Either way, we have to pay the price for sin and we can't. So we need a sacrifice. But a better one to take our place. Let me read you some verses the Bible uses to describe Jesus. Isaiah 53, 5, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Ephesians 1, 7, In him we have redemption through his blood. Revelation 5, 9, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Romans 5, 9, since we have now been justified by his blood. There was a price for us to be able to participate in this new covenant, this new agreement, and it was Jesus. Through his death on the cross, through the shedding of his blood, he paid the price for us to be able to have our sins forgiven 
and to have a relationship with God. We read this during communion, but Jesus tells us this. Matthew 26, during the Last Supper, it says, Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The, the blood of the new covenant, it's, it's not an animal's blood. It's not ours. But it's Jesus. Shed for the forgiveness of sins, Jesus paid the way for us to enjoy this covenant with God. And so that's the, the first detail. The second is that Abraham's covenant required both parties to walk through. It's noteworthy in Genesis 15 that it's only God that passed through the pieces, the, the blazing torch. It represented the Lord. Abraham doesn't walk through, he's asleep. And this signified that, that God himself was binding him to his promises without requiring Abraham to accomplish anything on his own. God going through alone, it contradicted how covenants were normally performed, but for an important reason. The promise God is making is entirely dependent on his work. God fulfilled his covenant with Abraham for both sides. And this is important for us because he does the same with the new covenant, which is so good because we are consistently unfaithful. Remember, that was the, the punishment for being unfaithful to a covenant was death. So it's good for us that, that God is the only one to walk through because there is no way we can hold up our end. That was the problem with the old covenant, is that we couldn't hold up our end of the bargain. So with this new covenant, we don't contribute anything except the sin that made it necessary. We can't enter into it on our own. We can't earn it. But we don't have to pass through because our inclusion in this new covenant, this new relationship with God is not based on our performance. It's based on God's love for us and Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us when we could offer nothing, when we had no perfect sacrifice to give, when we were covered in sin and shame and could not hold up any covenant agreement, he gave up his life for us. And just like with Abraham, this new covenant is only dependent on God. He walks through alone. And so Abraham's covenant with God shows us that our new covenant, our new relationship was paid for by Jesus and is not dependent on our performance. And so we have the, the problem of sin. We have the old covenant where the sacrifices were just not good enough. And so Jesus died on the cross so that we could have a new and better covenant. And now we have to respond to this new covenant. And so uh, we're going to have some participation. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever made a New Year's resolution. Okay, most of you. Raise your hand if you've ever failed your New Year's resolution. All right, everyone who just raised their hand on the first question. This is, this is exactly why I think it's essential to talk about this new covenant at this time of year because every year we make these commitments or, or resolutions that, that depend on us. And what do we often do? We, we fail at them. 
And I think what many of us do every New Year's, we try to make these changes in our lives without really leaning into our relationship with the one who changes everything. God's side of the covenant hasn't changed. His word is true. His promises are true. He doesn't have to renew his side of the covenant. But periodically, we need to stop and turn to God and renew our part of the covenant with him. Even though it required nothing of us, we have to renew it. Because often in the New Testament, uh, God's people were called to renew their covenant, their commitment, and respond to it. And so two ways I think we can start today responding to this new covenant. The first one is to embrace grace. Abraham, it says, received his covenant through faith. It was because he believed. So our response to Jesus' covenant sacrifice is to believe, to accept God's grace. And for you, maybe you need to accept this covenant of grace for the first time, to put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to surrender your life to him, to embrace the relationship that God is offering you. Or maybe you simply need to just renew your covenant with God, renew your commitment. Because I think it, it, often we forget just how much it cost God to have a relationship with us. And so we take it so casually, we take it for granted. We stop making God a priority. But renewing your covenant, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Now, don't get me wrong, like God takes holiness seriously. God cares about our actions. But the covenant, the relationship between us and God is not based on what we do. What renewing your covenant means, what renewing your commitment to God truly means is that you will sincerely seek him. You will consider the things that are separating you from him, and you will think about what you can do about those obstacles between you and God. This new covenant is just a profound gift of grace that God has given us. And so our response needs to be to fully embrace this gift, recognizing that our relationship with God is not based on our performance, but it's based on his love and his forgiveness. And it can be so hard in our minds to separate God's love from our ability to not sin, our ability to follow his commands. But what we need to do in this new year is, is go into it releasing any self-imposed expectations of earning our salvation or earning God's love. And we need to go into it knowing that Jesus' sacrifice has set us free. I think so often we give up on our New Year's resolutions because we're just not living up to our expectations or we mess up too many times. We just give up. Let's not do the same thing with God. This year, let's just embrace the grace that he is showing us. And as I said, maybe you need to do that for the first time by putting your faith in Jesus. Or you might just need to pause and renew your covenant, your thankfulness for what Jesus has done. Renew your relationship with him. The second response is to live forgiven. 
This new covenant should make us want to do something for God. Jesus, he once told this parable to show that that those who recognize how much they have been forgiven respond to that forgiveness with love. So when we recognize the gravity of this new covenant, the gravity of what God has done for us, we have no other option but to respond by doing something out of our love for him. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 to continue to work out your salvation. Now remember, we don't earn our way into this new covenant. Jesus' blood does that. But when we have truly accepted Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf, when we've received salvation from our sins, it's going to change us. It is, it's going to change the way we live, the way we act. It's going to result in us doing something. Jesus declares that when we enter into this new covenant by believing in him, by following him, he says we become a new creation. But part of the problem, though, is we want to bring in our old habits, our old lifestyle, our old heart into this new covenant. We don't want to change. We want the benefits of following Jesus without actually being changed by Jesus. But why? The Bible says that that we were dead in our sins, that that we had a sinful heart, that we had a sinful nature, that we were far from God. Why would we want to keep that? Why would we want to hold on to what's dead inside instead of living with a new heart that God is offering us? Why wouldn't we want to change and look more and more like our Savior? I want you to think about your, your past year. Have you truly lived like you're thankful that you've been forgiven? Have you lived any differently because of this new relationship with God that you have? Have you shared about Jesus like you have been set free? What if you went into this new year with those being your goals? God tells us that we were bought with a price. And that should motivate us to live differently. Your life was paid for. Your debt from sin, your contribution to the covenant, it's all covered. So our response should be a life marked by gratitude and a commitment to God. Now, I'm not saying all New Year's resolutions are bad. I'm sure there are plenty of changes that I should make, but often... The focus of New Year's resolutions, it's performance. But the focus of the new covenant is relationship. So let's simplify our New Year's changes this year. When it comes to our faith, let's let's stop making it a thing to be accomplished, a checklist, something that we abandon when it gets difficult, when, when things come up. Let's stop treating it like every other resolution we make. And let's start leaning into this relationship, this new covenant that God offers us. Let's start spending time with him. Let's receive salvation. Let's get baptized. Let's serve. Let's grow in our faith all because we've been forgiven. When we embrace the grace that we've been shown, when we live like we've been forgiven, our lives are going to be a testimony to those around us 
of the transforming power of this new covenant. And so for for all of us, I want our new year to be focused on living out the fact that in this new covenant, you are no longer a slave to sin, but a child of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. That we could never earn it, that, that we don't deserve it, but you give it to us freely. That there is nothing that you require on us because our debt was paid. It was paid through your son. Father, I just ask that you would help us all this new year take time to reflect on how good you have been to us, on this relationship that you are offering to us, and help us not take it for granted. Let this next year be a year that we just grow in our faith, that our lives are transformed, that people notice what is different about us because of you, Father. And we can only do this through your power, through your son. God, we love you so much. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray.